Hey guys, it's me, Professor D, and welcome back to my podcast. On this podcast, I'm going to be covering um, anti-diabetic medications, okay? Now, there are so many guys, uh, there's no way I'm not going to cover all of them. I'm only going to cover the ones that are seen most on the state exam. So guys, make sure you know everything because I don't write these exams, but I'm going to cover the ones that are seen the most. So first one we're going to talk about is the bigonides, okay? Now, remember... In nursing, we always go from, in not only nursing, guys, in the medical field, period, we always go from least invasive to most invasive. So when a patient is um, diagnosed as being a diabetic, we always want to do what? Start from the least invasive route. So we're going to start with the oral hypoglycemics. That's what you want to do unless they're really bad. But for testing purposes, you're going to start them on the oral hypoglycemics. And our number one go-to for new, di- newly diagnosed diabetic is the bigonides. Bi- Which one? Metformin. Okay, remember that metformin is our first go-to anti-diabetic medication. Now, some important things they love asking about um, metformin, the class, which I just told you, it's the bigonide. Another thing they love asking about, if they give you a situation, they'll tell you that this patient is newly diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic. What are you going to order? It's going to be the bigonide. It's going to be metformin. What else do they like to ask about? The action. How does metformin work? And the way that it works, guys, and this is for all the bigonides, period. The way that they work, they, you know, decrease the production of glucose in the liver. So the fact that I just told you that the action of this medication is to decrease the production of glucose in the liver, you already know what kind of test you're going to be running on this patient. The patient is taking bigonide. You're going to be looking at those ALT and ASTs. You want to know that liver function, right? Right. So that's the action. They love asking about that. So it, like I said, it decreases the production of glucose in the liver, and it also decreases the absorption of glucose by your guts. So not only is your liver not producing as much glucose, your gut's not absorbing as much glucose. And so that's how it works. Something else they like to ask, how are you going to start off the patient? And the rule of thumb, guys, you're going to start off that patient metformin 500 milligrams. They're going to get it twice a day. And you are going to follow this patient. And if necessary, you're going to go ahead and increase uh, that dosage in increments of 500 milligrams weekly. Your max is going to be 2000 milligrams um, daily in uh, two divided doses, guys. But when you start off that patient, I repeat, you are going to start them at 500 milligrams twice a day and then increase it by 500 milligrams weekly. Your max is going to be what? 2,000 milligrams daily. Again, how? Divided in two doses, because remember, it's twice a day that the patient's getting this medication. Um, what else do they love to ask? Oh, I almost forgot. They love asking about um, an adverse effect. This is a serious adverse effect, guys. You guys also learned about this in a nursing program. Lactic acidosis. Even though... I'm sorry, guys, you know I live the hotel life. Someone's knocking on my door. Hold on one second. Guys, I apologize. I'm sure you can hear the shower running in the background and my son's singing, but I live the hotel life. And if I don't make, you know, your podcast when I have a spare minute, it's not going to get done. So please excuse any background noise you hear. Um, as I was saying, where was I? So I was talking about uh, lactic acidosis. You guys learned about that in the RN program. Um, even though it's rare, this is a very serious adverse effect, okay? 
So you have to know about lactic acidosis and you have to know that if a patient's going to get, you know, any type of procedure or diagnostic test um, that involves contrast media, they have to be off that metformin temporarily. You absolutely must know this. Um, is there anything else? That's about it. When it comes to metformin, that's what they ask about. Again, I'm going to repeat this. That's our number one go-to med when the patient's newly diagnosed as a diabetic. You need to know the drug class, which is a by a biguanide. You need to know the action. Remember, it decreases production of glucose in the liver and it decreases absorption of glucose where? In the intestine. You got to know how you're going to give it. You're going to start that patient off with the 500 milligrams twice a day. And if needed, you're going to increase that dosage in increments of 500 milligrams weekly. But the max that you can ever give is what? 2,000 milligrams. And remember, again, it's going to be divided into uh, two doses. Um, I think to see if I'm missing anything else. I'm sorry, my son just threw me off. All right, so that's it for um the biogonides are metformin. Next class of medications that they ask about, they don't ask too many questions about this, but I'm going to cover the there's about two or three that they tend to ask your TZDs, okay? And when it comes to the TZDs, often they'll act, ask about you know the actose, the pioglitazone. Okay, the pioglitazone and the actose, those are TZDs. Now, they'll ask about the action and the way that this medication works, it inhibits glucogenesis in the liver. So again, you already know what kind of tests you're going to be running. You're going to be looking at the patient's uh, liver function. Speaking of which... I I just remembered something. Let me jump back to our biguanide, something very important. I can't believe I almost missed. You have to be careful when you're um, or prescribing this medication. Be careful when prescribing it to patients who have heart failure or renal failure or any liver dysfunction. Because remember, one of the things we're concerned about is lactic acidosis. So we cannot have this medication building up in the patient's system. So that that's something that you have to keep in mind. All right. Back to our TZDs. So the way that it works, again, it inhibits glucogenesis in the liver. So you already know you're going to be monitoring the liver function before you put that patient on the medication. Why? You need to know what your baseline is for that medication. Other important things for you to know about the, the TZDs. They can, if a patient has heart failure, they can make the heart failure worse. So you have to be very careful if that patient has heart failure. And matter of fact, if that patient has heart failure, then class three or four, you're not going to order this medication for this patient. There are so many other drugs on the market. It just doesn't make any sense. So for testing purposes, guys, if that patient has a history of heart failure, are you going to order TZD? Absolutely not. When it comes to TZD, like I said, you're going to be looking at the ALT, the AST. You're looking to see how the liver is doing. Do not prescribe this medication to what type of patient? A patient with heart failure. But what other type of patient will we not prescribe this medication? Patient with liver issues. Because didn't I just tell you that the action of the drug was to stop glucogenesis where? In the liver. So does it make any sense that you're going to give this drug to a patient that has, you know, um, liver failure? Absolutely not. So we're not going to give this to a patient that has liver failure. We're not going to give it to a patient that has heart failure. And one last but very important thing you have to know about the drugs that fall under the TZD class. They can cause fractures. Okay. So if you have a 
postmenopausal woman. A woman that's postmenopausal is already at risk for fractures because of that significant decline of estrogen. That already pl- places a woman at risk for fractures. And now you're giving them a TCD. So be very careful with that. We want to stay away from the postmenopausal women, especially heart uh, failure patients and especially liver failure patients. Okay, guys, next are our sulfonylureas, okay? <clears throat> what they love asking about is the action. They're always asking about the action of these drugs. Now, the sulfonylureas, the way that they work, they basically, they knock on the pancreas like, hey, wake up, start shooting out insulin. And what they do is they push the pancreas to shoot out more insulin, okay? That's how they work. They stimulate the release of insulin, from the beta cells. Remember the beta cells in the islands of Langerhans located where? In the pancreas. And so this is why a patient who is a type one, can you ever give a sulfonylurea to a type one? Absolutely not. Remember type ones are what? Insulin dependent. Because guess what? That pancreas is dead. It's not shooting out any insulin, right? So that's very important for you to know how the sulfonylureas work. Again, they stimulate the release of insulin from the pancreas. Um, Something else that you guys need to know about um, the sulfonylureas. Initially, when you're starting them on this medication, guys, you want to start them at a very low dose, one to two milligrams. Okay, that patient is going to get one to two milligrams a day. And remember, they have to eat it with a meal. So they're going to have it with, you know, breakfast or, you know, their first meal of the day. But one to two milligrams. If they're... Um, uh, blood glucose cannot be controlled, you're going to slowly, gradually increase it. But the max, guys, that they can get is eight milligrams a day. So remember, we're going to start low, go slow. Um, something else you got to remember about the sulfonylureas, the meds that fall under sulfonylurea, so your glimepirides, your glipozides. Now, your glimepiride, that's the one that you're going to start at the one to two milligrams, and the most you can give is eight milligrams per day. With the glipozide, the glipozide, you're going to start at five milligrams, and the patient's going to get that before they have their first meal, so that's going to be breakfast. And guys, you can increase it slowly, so you increase it by about 200, 200, I'm sorry. You're going to increase it by about two and a half milligrams every couple of days, but the max that patient can get is 15 milligrams. And remember, this is going to be once a day. Important things to know about the sulfonylurea class. Be very careful giving this medication to any patient with um, liver, liver disorder, you know, if they're in liver failure or if they're of the geriatric population. Because if that patient is small and frail, there is a chance of what happening. Um, the patient can reach toxic levels very fast. So we're going to be very cautious in a patient that um, is geriatric, they're small, frail, the liver is not functioning. And remember, one of the things the liver is responsible for is metabolizing drugs. If that liver is not working, it's not metabolizing the drug. It's not metabolizing the drug. That drug's not getting broken down. That drug's not getting broken down. It's building, building, building toxicity in the patient's body. So we have to we have to be very careful with that. And obviously, guys, the same thing with renal disorder. If the kidney's not working, just like you see the liver is responsible for metabolizing drugs, well, the kidneys are responsible for removing toxins from the body. So if... You know, even if that liver's working, it's metabolizing the drugs. If the kidney's not working, 
the drugs are going to build up in the patient's body because the patient's not getting rid of it. So you're going to be very careful giving to uh, this medication to a patient with kidney disorder, to a patient with liver disorder, or if the patient's very, you know, they're a geriatric patient and they're very frail. And lastly, guys, I'm going to cover uh, insulin. And guys, it's only really one thing I see them ask over and over and over again when it comes to insulin. Make sure you know everything, but make sure you know this. When it comes to insulin, remember, we're always going to try the oral hypoglycemics first. Then if it doesn't work, we may put the patient on oral hypoglycemics with the insulin or we just might move them to insulin. But the point is, when you um, uh, prescribe insulin, you're going to give it to that patient 0.1 to 0.2 units per kilogram per day. So you're going to have to know how much that patient weighs, right? 0.1 to 0.2 units per kilograms per day or 10 units daily if the patient's getting a peakless insulin such as Lantus. Let me repeat that. When you're starting that patient on insulin, you're either going to start them on 0.1 to 0.2 units per kilogram per day. And that's usually how they give to you guys. It's going to be a math question. They'll give you a patient's weight. 0.1 to 0.2 units per kilogram per day. Or you can go ahead and prescribe 10 units daily of peakless insulin, such as Atlantis. And that's you, that's the question when it comes to insulin. They ask about the most. And it's usually one, maybe two questions. The questions you really get a lot on are, uh, your oral hypoglycemics, just because that's usually the first step when a patient's first diagnosed. So they want to they want to make sure that you know what to do if a patient's newly diagnosed as a diabetic. And guys, that's your um, anti-diabetic meds in a nutshell. Next week's podcast, I'm going to be covering vitamin B12 um, deficiency, which is a type of anemia. Uh, there are about, I'd say about a good six or seven um, content questions that they ask over and over and over again. So you guys are going to definitely need to know this information. So make sure you guys catch me on the podcast next week where I'm covering vitamin B12 deficiency anemia, also known as your pernicious anemia or cobalamin deficiency, same thing. And, you know, on the exam, they can they can word it any way they want. They can say cobalamin, per pernicious anemia, vitamin B12. It's the same thing. You have to know the names for all of them. Thank you for sharing this time with me, guys, and you'll be hearing from me on the next podcast.